Do we require farmers to have a high school degree? A bill removing a high school diploma requirement to be a tattoo artist passes, but opponents say it doesn't incentivize getting an education. I think the greatest indicator of future success in life is access to quality education. From IPR News, this is the legislative podcast Under the Golden Dome. Among the policy bills advancing this year include one adding a 40% tax to glass or metal pipes supporters say are used to smoke dangerous drugs. Right now we have a lot of uh, retailers out there selling effectively meth pipes, crack pipes, whatever you want to call them. A fiscal analysis estimates $3 million a year could be generated with this new tax, which would be diverted to specialty courts. They're going to utilize the funds to fund treatment of people with both mental illnesses and substance use disorders. There's a bill making it easier for pipelines to be built from farms, converting manure to a form of natural gas. We need to move the biogas to get them to a central location. And the governor's education bill with gender identity requirements goes to the House as a much bigger bill. What is in this amendment contains several bills that we have passed, some of them unanimously. But the bill gets a no vote from all Democrats and some Republicans. This bill has several sections that limit the choices of parents, and it even limits the choices of voters by taking away local control of their duly elected officials of their districts. I'm John Pemble. This is Under the Golden Dome for the week ending April 7th, 2023. Friends and colleagues of the House, Senate File 219 is the bill that prohibits the state from requiring tattoo artists having a high school diploma, GED, or college degree. In Iowa, a tattoo artist must be at least 18 years old and have a high school diploma or pass a GED test. In the House of Representatives chamber, Republican Representative Hans Wiltz wants this requirement to be removed. You still must be 18 year old, 18 years of age. You're still required to have a medical and safety test completed, be it blood-borne pathogens, first aid training. Let's remind ourselves that the average age of a graduate in high school is 18 years of age. Do we require farmers to have a high school degree? Democratic Representative Josh Turk says this proposal erodes education standards. We're not talking about an associate's degree. We're not talking about a bachelor's degree. And I don't think that we should be doing that. And secondly, and probably most important, is I think that this is incentivizing individuals, however, just a few individuals, to not get their high school diploma. This bill, actually, over the course of 10 years, we've only had six individuals over the last 10 years that this is even applied to. My worry is without this standard in place uh, that we're going to have at least that many individuals that will decide not to finish the high school diploma. Representative Turk offers an amendment as a compromise that would raise the age to 21. But Representative Wiltz does not support this. I don't see how the age of 21 will enhance this bill, but the conversation we had about it and why... It was good. That's the way it should be, and I appreciate the time and effort you put in on this. The bill passes mostly on party lines. Five Democrats join Republicans in support, two Republicans oppose. This bill already passed the Senate, but there was a small technical change to the bill in the House. For it to advance further, it will have to go before the Senate again. Bills that could come to the floor for the first time soon are in the House Ways and Means Committee, In talking about a new bill, Republican Representative Mike Sexton first refers to a bill that became a law last year. We changed uh, the limitations on animal units for livestock facilities 
so that they could more economically feasibly build anaerobic digesters. Anaerobic digesters are large tanks that hold animal manure. When combined with bacteria and other ingredients and kept at a temperature near 100 degrees, the waste emits a form of natural gas. We need to move the biogas from these individual farms in a, in a gathering line to get them to a central location. Representative Sexton is advocating for a bill that would let this biogas be transported in a pipeline where it would go to a facility to be refined. Some counties, um, we, when we have this occurring in Iowa right now, they're, they're building these, um, but some counties were worried that they did not have the authority to issue a permit for um, these gathering lines. So these lines will uh, only be put in the right-of-way along with natural gas lines, water lines, sewer lines, fiber optics, phone lines, electric lines, tile lines, tile intakes. And there are some folks that um, have said that, that the farmers should have control of that, that right-of-way. A right-of-way, sometimes called a row, is an area of land where a natural gas pipeline is buried. This can include private land that may be acquired through an easement. Above and near the right-of-way for the gas pipeline, there may be a fence and that land must remain free of anything. As a farmer, I don't get to farm that ground. In fact, if you tear the fence out and you hang your planter over two rows, you're going to get a letter from the county and if you don't tear up that crop, they'll come do it. You can't plant trees in it. Um, you can't plant a garden in it. Um, in fact, I've, we have uh, one farm where we piled rocks in the ditch when we got done farming that farm, and they made us remove the rocks. This bill for biogas that comes from an anaerobic digester has the support of Democratic Representative Eric Jurdy. I've been part of this uh, piece of legislation uh, starting in agriculture and now in Ways and Means. I do feel like uh, all parties involved have uh, worked together and come up with something that seems to work for uh, most people, and I will be supporting this legislation today. This bill advances with a unanimous vote from this committee. The practice of generating biogas is not without controversy. In February 2022, 376 gallons of manure water leaked into northwest Iowa creeks from a digester. Last year, the Environmental Protection Agency reports 331 anaerobic digesters are in the United States. The majority of them are on dairy farms. This bill before us today, Senate File 345, attempts to uh, address a, a scourge that's in Iowa and across the country. Republican Senator Dan Dawson brings a bill to the Senate for the third time in recent years that is aimed at retail sales of glass or metal pipes used for smoking. The, the worst part about this situation is that these retailers will put signs on these shelf cases to say it's for tobacco use only, and everyone knows that these things are not being used for tobacco. Uh, the bill before us describes as glass and metal devices, which are the most common used with methamphetamine, crack, heroin, things that we are dealing with today. And uh, essentially what we're saying is that if you are going to treat this as a tobacco product, then we are going to regulate it as a tobacco type product, what we do normally. Uh, so this will create a permit to sell these specific devices. 
the permit will have a fee set for it each year, and there will be a 40% excise tax on these devices. The annual cost for a permit is $1,500. The 40% tax on the sale of each pipe will be sent to the Governor's Office of Drug Control Policy Fund. It will then be allocated to specialty courts addressing substance abuse and mental health-related issues. Specialty courts, also called problem-solving courts, focus on treating issues that reduce future criminal behavior. Right now, there are 41 Iowa specialty courts, with 15 of them being adult drug treatment courts. A fiscal analysis of this bill from the Legislative Services Agency estimates $1.4 million of revenue for the courts will be generated in the first year and $2.9 million in the second year. We are taxing the devices not for the purpose but for the device. And these devices are being used uh, for illicit drug usage here in Iowa, which is an inhibitor to our mental health issues. It is a, an inhibitor to our workforce issues. Uh, these drugs being used for are destroying our families, and it is something that's one of the reasons why our social fabric is unraveling. The bill passes in the Senate. We'll go ahead and kick off the subcommittee for Senate File 345. It's now in a House Ways and Means subcommittee with Republican Representative Phil Thompson. So this came to us from the Senate. Uh, Senator Dawson's very passionate about this bill. Um, and we'll go ahead and just open it up to comments over here. Mike Triplett, I represent Iowans for alternatives to smoking and tobacco. Mike Triplett says he is lobbying for vape shops. We are not affected by this bill uh, and don't intend to be inf- affected by this bill as we do not sell these products. While Triplett isn't opposing this bill, his lobbyist declaration is undecided. I'm registered in strong support of this bill. Leslie Carpenter is with the Iowa Mental Health Advocacy. What they are doing is looking to regulate uh, the sales of basically glass pipes that are utilized for utilizing drugs um, in places of business that are right across often from high schools and junior high schools. Um, They create these products to look very enticing and cool, um, but sadly ever so often they lead people, young people, down the path of becoming addicted to really harmful substances that in some cases do lead to mental illnesses and substance use disorders. Dale Wollery, with the Office of Drug Control Policy, is registered undecided on this bill. And I know there are questions about uh, the omission of the vaping products, but we've heard from drug task force members that this would be a helpful tool in preventing youth substance use. The bill is only about glass and metal pipes that use a combustible method to make the drug smoke. There have been concerns about not including vape, where the drug can be released in a vapor form. There was an amendment on the Senate floor to include vaping that did not pass. This bill has the support of this three-member subcommittee, including Democratic Representative John Forbes. It's a good bill. I think I'd like to see it move forward. It's going to generate more funding for mental health and for programs here in the state of Iowa that reduce substance abuse. The bill advances from the subcommittee, but Representative Thompson indicates there will be changes before it reaches the full committee. Well, we will go ahead and move the bill. Um, Nothing to follow immediately, but we'll work. Representative Forbes and I are going to discuss an amendment that will get out publicly as soon as we can. The content of the amendment is not specified, and the bill has yet to come before the Full Ways and Means House Committee.
This is the Legislative Podcast Under the Golden Dome from IPR News. I'm John Pimple. Through this session, various bills have advanced from committees and some from chamber floors that involve an issue related to LGBTQ students. So far, one of the bills that has become a law prohibits a person from entering a school bathroom that doesn't conform to the sex on their birth certificate. But other bills about how a student is or isn't allowed to identify their gender identity, name, or pronoun have not passed both the House and Senate. Parents send their children to school to learn reading, math, and writing. Republican Representative Skyler Wheeler floor manages the governor's education bill that has already passed in the Senate. Unfortunately, some of that trust has been broken due to schools pushing wokeism. In 2022, Representative Wheeler wrote an op-ed published on a conservative website about what he calls wokeism, where he says, quote, combat this craziness head on. The culture war matters, unquote. Parents need to have confidence that the school is not going to hide vital information from them about their children. This version of the bill has been changed from what passed in the Senate and is now 48 pages with 11 divisions. It reworks some of the issues related to gender identity. For example, if a student chooses a different pronoun, this bill says the district shall not knowingly give false or misleading information to parents about a gender identity. However, if a student asks a teacher to use a different pronoun, the teacher must report this to an administrator. It would be up to the administrator to inform the parents. While these issues drive much of the conversation, much of the bill contains individual proposals that already passed earlier in this session. This includes the Board of Educational Examiners Bill, which passed 89 to 6, the Alternative Teacher Licensure Bill. It passed 61 to 36, with no Democrats voting for, Interdistrict Open Enrollment. This passed 95 to 0, Seizure Safe Schools. And that passed 91 to 1. So this is a big bill. And it's complicated. It feels a little like deja vu. Democratic Representative Sue Cahill says all of the arguments for much of what is in this bill has already happened. Representative Cahill focuses on the divisive portions of this bill. This bill defines what is age appropriate in books in our school libraries. The new definition of age appropriate adds the word graphic descriptions or visual depictions of a sex act. In this bill, or in our code, there is no description of what graphic means. Is the statue of David in Florence, Italy, is that graphic showing a nude male body? If that's in an artwork, in our um, art class, or a, a literature book in our school. Last month in a Florida school, sixth grade students saw a picture of the statue of David in an art class parents were not informed this was going to happen. A parent complained, calling the statue the equivalent of pornographic material, and the school principal was fired. While this Iowa proposal isn't the same as what is required in that Florida school, Representative Cahill is using this as a reference. I fully support that parents have the opportunity and the obligation to match their values and their morals to define graphic descriptions 
depictions and descriptions, and then work with their child and their teacher librarian to help decide what that child, what their child reads or checks out of the school library. But I also have the right to decide what my child can read and select from the school library. My definition of graphic may be very, very different from that of my neighbor or, or from others in the room, but I ask that I will respect your rights, but you also have to respect my rights. As in previous bills, this one also has a change for human growth and development courses teaching about HPV vaccine or AIDS. It does not prohibit, but it eliminates these topics as requirements. Democratic Representative Molly Buck says this creates a lapse in health education. HPV causes cancer, full stop. I think many people view cancer as um, something that's genetic or unavoidable or it just happens to you. But in this case, the cancer-causing HPV virus has a vaccine. A vaccine that my own OBGYN told me has changed the nature of his practice because it is eliminating many of the cancers that he screens for. For Democratic Representative Heather Matson, she focuses on part of the bill that does not allow non-state or federal student surveys without a parent providing permission. Representative Matson says a parent's lack of a response isn't necessarily an objection, but more a matter of something they just don't get to. One particularly important survey is the Iowa Youth Survey, which collects data that helps us understand the issues young people across our state are dealing with. A big concern with the opt-in is that school districts and public health would lose data. And if the sampling is off, it would be much harder to identify trends and build prevention and intervention programs. When you're telling parents ahead of time, hey, here's a survey that's going to be given, you have to put your written permission in here for your kid to take it, that's literally forcing the parent to look at something being presented to their kid at school. I don't know how that possibly does anything that's harmful. Republicans, including Representative Wheeler, have called this and similar proposals a parents' rights bill. One thing I've heard consistently from educators, I've heard it from members of the minority party in here, is that we have to get parents more involved. Parents have to be more involved. That's exactly what this bill does. The bill passes the House. Six Republicans join Democrats in opposing the bill. There are many changes beyond the hot topics, And for this to go further, it has to go back to the Senate chamber for a full debate. This is an example of a bouncing bill of which there are many around this time in the session. The bills coming next are the large state budget bills. In a Senate Appropriations Committee, some of those budget bills advance, but they are unusual. It's kind of hard to comment on stuff that has blanks in it. Democratic Senator Claire Selsey reads from the pages in the bill and notes the lines for how much departments will receive or how many employees there will be are left blank. There's no numbers in our budget. Um, I understand we're trying to get the House to move along with their budgeting process. Um, This might convince them to hurry up and do something. I kind of doubt it. The Republicans are the ones that need to get together on this stuff and put some numbers in their budget. The Senate Appropriations Committee advances seven budget bills with no figures in them. 
Last year, there was a weeks-long disagreement between the House and Senate budget proposals. It stalled the ending of last year's legislative session, which is not that uncommon. The session's activity typically becomes more unpredictable about now, with there being some days or weeks with very little activity. And so right now, this podcast will cease to be a weekly offering. There may be one or two more episodes before the last day, and if you are subscribed to this podcast, you'll see it pop up in your feed when we resume. For now, we're taking a break from our weekly schedule. This is the Legislative Podcast Under the Golden Dome. Iowa Public Radio reporters continue to cover events at the Capitol for IPR News, and many of these stories from Katerina Sestarik and Grant Gerlock will appear on our website, iowapublicradio.org. The script editor for this episode is IPR News Director Michael Leland. Help for today's episode comes from Natalie Krebs and Radio Iowa's Kay Henderson. I'm John Pimble. Under the Golden Dome is a production of Iowa Public Radio.